of the Methodist Home for Children and Youth of South Georgia in Macon. And at this time, I will invite her up to deliver the word that God has given her today. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you today. Um, and uh, it's, it's so nice to see so many bright, bright friends, friendly faces here in, in Glenville. It's an opportunity for me to speak to you a little bit about the children's home, but also to give you a word that God has laid on my heart. And I'm going to use some examples from the children's home to hopefully send home some points that you can take and use um, as you go back into the world as a witness for Christ uh, to this local community. I want to tell you a little bit about, about myself. Again, my name is Allison Evans, and I'm the CEO and president of your children's home. It's our children's home. The Methodist home was founded in the 1870s, so it's been around for nearly 150 years, originally starting um, to serve children who had uh, been orphaned or abandoned during the Civil War and has continued to grow and change over the years and evolve. For many years, we just had the children's home in Macon, um, which serves about 80 boys and girls, um, live there with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, we can serve children as young as six, but most of our kids are age 10 and older. And then we also have another home for boys in St. Mary's, Georgia. We have a home for girls in Valdosta, Georgia. We have another home for girls in Americus. We have three more homes for boys over in the Columbus area and a home for girls in Waverly Hall. So on any given day, we are raising about 140 teenagers. And I used to say to folks, well, you know, it takes a lot of cooking and shampoo and things like that to raise 140 teenagers. But now I think it takes a whole lot of data. It's amazing how much data those kids consume. Um, but your children's home, and, and that's what I think when most people think about the children's home, that's what they think of. That we have these cottages with 10 to 12 children who live in them and we're helping to raise them. And most of them have had struggles um, in, in their young lives. But we also have um, foster care services, so we go out and recruit families who welcome a, a foster child into their home. We have Christian counseling services, and we have a daycare on our campus. And one of the newest exciting ministries that God has opened up to us um, in the last year is um, we're taking one of our cottages on the Macon campus, and we're converting it from a 10-bed cottage for girls into a five-bed, five-little-bed cottages for teenage moms and their children. So we're very excited about the Embrace program there um, that, that God has, has worked with us over the years. Um, the, the, and I brought with me Gateway Magazines. If you want to learn more or you need more information, they're here and in the back. So please take, take one with you. But the mission of the children's home, the mission of your children's home, is to restore childhoods, strengthen families, and build up people. But I would, I would challenge you today to, to think back into those years when the children's home was first founded. And I probably would say to you that the mission of the children's home was to offer them Christ. Or perhaps take the words of Jesus um, and, and the examples from his ministry to heal and tell. And I'm going to talk a little bit about more about that, but the, the message today is an invitation to you to heal and to tell. So much of Jesus' ministry included healing. Blind Bartimaeus, Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, the woman who was bleeding, sometimes casting out demons, dealing with mental health issues, and other things that, that grip people both physically 
mentally, spiritually, and otherwise. And also a big part of Jesus' ministry was telling others about the kingdom of God. And he did that through many parables. You remember them well. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the mustard seed. How tough it is for the rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven like going through the eye, like a camel going through the eye of a needle. But we, we call our attention today to scripture, and, and the scripture would be Luke 9, verse 2. And this was a time frame when Jesus was sending out the 12 disciples. Verse 2 says, And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So Jesus sent his disciples out to heal and to tell. And again, I would share with you that your children's home has been healing the lives of young people for nearly 150 years and has been telling them about Jesus and the love of God. But how do we do that today? How are we called to do that today? You know, it was interesting when I first became the president, I met with a number of alumni and um, asked them how they saw the love of God through the work at the children's home. And, and this one, when I think of alumni, I think about people who were like 40, 50 years old. Well, this one gentleman was in his 90s. And he was an alumni. He had grown up at the children's home. And he said, well, when I was at the children's home, I learned that God is a provider. The love of God is shown by how he provided for us. And I said, tell me more about that. And he said, I lived at the children's home in 1929. He said, I was just a young boy. But I did not know there was a thing called the Great Depression until I left the children's home and read about it in a book. That's how amazing the, the Methodists across South Georgia, how generous they were back in 1929. Even when they and their families had little to live on and generations were living under one roof and maybe only one person in an extended family had a paying job. They worked the farm, they worked the land, and when the abundance and the crop was good, they shared with the children in our care. So throughout generations... The Methodist Church has been a part of the Methodist home in how we are healing and telling these young people about the love of Christ. But let's think this through a little bit. Um, usually the first Monday of the month is when we have Communion Sunday, and, and we'll be doing it multiple times uh, with Pastor Jim throughout the month with Easter. Um, but during that time, typically, we define ourselves as the body of Christ, coming to the communion table, seeking forgiveness, and being a part of the body and blood in Christ that he shed for us. And during that time, we read a prayer of confession. And I'm going to read it briefly to you because I want you to think about a few lines in it that I will mention later on. That prayer of confession, as we approach the communion table to confess our sins, we say, merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. Remember those words, whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. And we have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you'll hear some of those words again as I tie in this prayer of confession that we as the body of Christ pray when we take communion. And then we, as we leave this place, if we take the words of Jesus, that we are to go forth out there and to heal and to tell. But I want to ask the question today, how do we hear the cry of the needy? How do we help heal other folks? Most of us are not physicians, licensed MDs, or nurse practitioners. But I would challenge you today that it is not outside of the scope and talents and gifts and graces that God has given you that you can't help heal the heart of someone else, that you can't help a neighbor in need. At the children's home, we go about that in a variety of different ways. When our children cry out, or in some cases act out, we try to evaluate and understand what they're trying to communicate before we act upon it. So I would encourage you as you are listening to God and you are listening to your neighbors and looking for how we can heal and help, that you first evaluate it. Is it authentic? Is it genuine? Hearing the cry of the needy, it's not always verbal. With our kids at the children's home, and and the kids that we're serving today are kids who have been through enormous trauma. If you can imagine in your head the worst thing that you've read about or heard about happening to a child, there is a chance in our 140 that there's a child who has suffered exactly that in our care. The trauma in their young lives has been great. So when they're crying out for help or for healing, it can obviously quickly be by acting out. A young man who decides to punch something. Or a young lady who goes in and rips something off of her wall and tosses it across the room. The anger and the frustration that's been pent up inside them just sometimes exudes out. We want to lean in and we want to listen to the message of our children or of that person that God is laying on your heart right now to truly understand what's behind those emotions that are showing forth in those words or those actions. We also want to listen to what they say. We had a young man, we, had, um, we have a, a chapel service the night before school starts where we get our kids together. And of course, we go over all the things that parents go over. You know, make sure you're dressed appropriately, make sure you mind your teacher, make sure you do these things. But then we also ask for prayer requests. And we get some pretty typical prayer requests. I hope I get to sit next to the pretty girl. I hope I don't have to sit next to that guy. I hope that my teacher lets me get out of math. How do you get out of math, right? You know? But in the back, there was that 12-year-old boy, and his hand slipped up. And he said, I pray that kids like me matter. Wow. That's a pretty significant statement. I pray that kids like me matter. Obviously, this is not a child that's grown up in the loving household of two parents who dote over them and grandparents who spoil them. This is a kid who questions his self-worth so deeply, he wonders if he even matters. 
And he also understands that there are more kids just like him. So evaluate what you hear and what you see when someone's hurting. Try to understand it. Remember in our prayer we talked about our whole heart? Use your whole heart when you are interacting with someone who's healing and hurting to hear them. Sometimes using your whole heart means setting aside preconceived notions. Maybe it's that brother-in-law or sister-in-law who's oh so aggravating. And every time you're in that sense with them, it's like oil and water. Stop. Pray. Ask God to show you that person as he sees that person and to love them and listen with your whole heart. When our kids... We try to understand them. Oftentimes we have to learn a little bit more about them. So we've got a 14-year-old girl. Her name's Cammie. And she's a kid who will bebop around. You know, she doesn't sit still a whole lot. And you kind of wonder where that comes from. Now, she's a good kid. She's trying real hard. But when you actually sit down and say, Cammie, tell me. Tell me what's going on. Not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you. She starts her story by saying, well, my mom was addicted to drugs when she was pregnant with me. So I was born addicted to drugs. They say my heart stopped three times before I got to leave the hospital and had to be restarted. And then I went through withdrawal. That infant going through that much trauma at such a young age. Now she's 14. She's in between being a woman and being that child. Mom's still lost in the sea of drugs. Do you think maybe she's struggling a little bit to find a place that she feels safe? And that's what she said to me. She said, Miss Allison, this is the first time I felt safe and accepted for who I am. She wants so desperately to be loved by her mama. It's not possible right now, but we're going to show her the love of Christ through the work that we do. Or Gracie, who came to us, and she's a quiet kind of a kid. She's kind of the kid that is always kind of on the outside of things. And we had another little girl named Lolita, And Lolita actually sat in chapel one day and heard the preacher talking about giving back. And at Christmas time, she'd gotten a little bracelet or something in one of those little satiny bags that, you know, ties at the top. You you know what I'm talking about. It's just a little sack. But she had put all of her coins in that sack. And after listening to Dr. Bob talk about giving and sharing with others in need, she decided she would take her entire little treasure... And she brought it to him. Inside that sack was $1.81. And she wanted to give it to somebody who was struggling. And because she lived at the Methodist home and now has a home, she wanted to give it to somebody who didn't have a home. So this is in Macon, and Dr. Bob said, well, we've got three or four ministries here in town, and talked about all three or four. And she picked 
Mulberry Street United Methodist Church Macon Outreach, which is a homeless, um, it's not necessarily a shelter, but it's where they feed the homeless um, throughout the week. And, and, and so we, we put a little challenge out to the staff, and, and her dollar eighty one quickly grew into $200, and she made a beautiful glittery mock check to present and presented it to the director of Macon Outreach. And during that time, the director said, well, you know, we would love to have you come down and help serve as well. And she thought that was a great idea, so she went back to her cottage and got three or four of her cottage mates to go down one day during spring break. Actually, it was during the president's holiday weekend, um, and, and, and serve these folks who were homeless. And I didn't go down during the, the serving part, but I kind of waited till they were almost done before I showed up because it needed to be about them and what they were doing for other people. Not that, you know, Miss Allison, it's kind of like when the principal walks in the room, you know, everybody gets all, you know, Miss Allison's there. And, and I walked in and I watched our girls from a distance for a little while. And then I walked to the end of the serving line because that's, you know, that's where Gracie was. And, and again, Gracie's, Lolita's all out there and all of this because this is her deal. But Gracie was that quiet, shy kid kind of just on the edge. And I went up around Gracie behind the serving line and I said, I'm so thankful that you decided to serve with Lolita and others today. What do you think about this, Gracie? She looked at me with a tear in her eye, and she said, Miss Allison, this used to be me. When my mom and I lived in a car, we would go to places just like this. It's so nice for me to be able to serve people who are just like me. And then there's Raven. And Raven is a kid. Most of our kids come from the Department of Children and Families. But occasionally we'll get a referral from a church. And Raven's one of those kids who came as a referral from a church. And, and this is a situation where, you know, when you kind of understand the backstory, you understand the action, the hurting that's happening. And it helps you understand what healing needs to take place. But Raven was about 10 when her pastor had called and, and said these two, she and her sister really need a place to stay. And In fact, the pastor and his wife drove them from a small community to Macon, brought the girls to us, and they bop out of the car. And, and Raven's being a typical 10-year-old, and I noticed clutched up under her arm is a, is a stuffed animal. And I'm kind of looking at it, and I'm, I'm kind of not sure what it is. And so I ask her, and she pulls it out. She said, this is Foxy. And Foxy was originally pink and purple. But Foxy right now was gray and brown and dingy. I could tell that Foxy's tail had been reapplied and sewn back on multiple times over. And I said, well, it's great to meet you. And I thought to myself, okay, here's a 10-year-old who's still carrying around her stuffed animal. Not necessarily unusual. But I could tell the way she clutched Foxy that Foxy had probably caught more of her tears than you and I would ever care to see. So she settled in the first couple of days and then about four days into her staying with us, kind of got the word, Raven's run out of the cottage. We've got to go find her. And we didn't have to look really hard because you could hear her. She had gone out of her cottage up to another building and she was banging on the door 
and wailing at the top of her lungs. And so we approached her carefully. We weren't quite sure what was going on, and she was beating on the door. I just want to go home. I just want to go home. Somebody take me home. I want to see my grandma. And after about five minutes, I mean, of all-out temper tantrum, she turns around, she puts her back to the door, she slides down, she's got Foxy, and she starts sucking her thumb. And I thought to myself, this is somewhat of the behaviors you would see in a three-year-old, right? But then I thought about her story. What happened to her? And how could we help her heal? Raven's a little girl, and she and her sisters, they had got different daddies from different races. Mama lived out of state, got in trouble with the law. Daddies are not around. Grandma, come get them. So Grandma left Georgia, went out of state, brought the girls, brought them back home. Step-granddad is um, got some health issues, is in a wheelchair, and Grandma was the rock of that family. You know, she was caring for her grandkids, she was caring for her husband, she was a member of the local church, she was involved and engaged. The last couple of years had been okay. And suddenly and unexpectedly, Grandma passed away. The step-granddad's family didn't welcome the girls because they weren't blood. He himself was too ill to provide for a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. And that's when the pastor picked up the phone and made the call. So now I understand what's happening with Raven. And it changes how I would act. So again, as you go in to help someone heal, if you go in to help someone with the hurts and hear that cry of the needy, I really encourage you to evaluate it, understand it, and then act. Because for Raven, what we needed to do was just sit on the ground for a little while and let that all work out of her system. And then pick her back up, go inside, call her granddad, hear the assurances that she's loved and that she's cared for, and continue to walk this journey of grief and loss with her. This wasn't about what happened in the cottage that she didn't get the bright color popsicle. This was about the hole in her heart that was still healing. So I want to challenge you to look for ways in your community that you can help one another heal. Christ sent his disciples out to heal. The other part of the the message today is that Christ also said, go and tell. And how do we tell people about the love of God? You know, again, using examples from the children's home, so many of the children that we see are unchurched. Raven and her sister had been in church. But a lot of the kids that come to us, second and third generation unchurched. Had one young man sitting in the pew a little bit back. We did the offering. 
We start passing the plate. Somebody handed him a plate of money. He started taking out. You know, he had no idea that that was an offering that we were supposed to bring and give. And somebody could look at that quickly and go, oh my gosh, look at that child. He's taking money. He's taking money out of the plate. But wait, let's evaluate it. Let's understand it before we act. He had never been in church before. He didn't know. And if you didn't know and somebody handed you a plate of money, you'd think like a brownie. You were supposed to take one. Or we had another little boy who was just with us. He was 10 years old. And, and our kids, we do a chapel on campus, and then our kids on Sunday mornings attend Methodist churches in and around Macon. And uh, so he was just following along. You know, he was kind of a new kid on the block, hadn't been, you know, and it happened to be a first Sunday of the month, so we were having communion. And we let our kids learn about Christ at their pace. You know, there's no pressure to do anything else. But so we came to communion time, and a couple of the boys were going to get up and take communion. He's somewhat of a follower. This is new. He's going to get up. So he follows along. Hey, somebody's handed him a piece of bread. That sounds pretty good. He takes a piece of bread. He's hungry, you know. Takes a piece of bread. And then somebody has a cup and they bend over a little bit and they say, the blood of Christ shed for you. And he sees red stuff in a cup and starts backing up going, no way, I want no part of this, no way. Unchurched. Some of the people that you meet in your community every day are unchurched. And so if your first answer is to invite them to church, that could be a very foreign scary thing for them how do we tell people i would encourage you that i would what i tell the staff it's it's your actions first you have to see christ and the love of christ through your actions the words can come later the rituals let people see jesus reflected in you in your actions every day Again, we've got chapel, we've got um, prayer. If, if the child is interested, we'll, be, we'll have a baptism. Um, but it, it touched my heart just recently. Um, and, and our kids stay with us for any, uh, it's a variety of length of time. But we have a young man with us. He's 13 now. Um, his name is Robert. And, um, and Robert is actually at the point in his journey in the foster care system where going home is no longer an option. And so adoption becomes the option for him or being raised in the foster care system and um and so he did one of those wednesday's child things that you know you you know when the local news comes in and does we're going to profile child who's available for adoption so on and so forth he did one child and i was actually just scrolling online and i just liked every once in a while watch him hey that's my kid you know (laughs) what's robert doing what's you know and he's they took him to a science museum and and he talked about how you know he loves to be outside and he hopes he has a family it doesn't matter how many kids they have but you'd really like him to have a dog and you know he really you know he's really gotten really good in in science and math in school and um you know um yeah he's got a drone but he flew it into the tree and you know i mean just a boy right and uh the story goes on. The interviewer asks him some questions and, and kind of asks him, well, he's been in foster care for five years. He's been in his group home the last three years. And I'm like, oh, that's us, you know. Because I know he's been with us three years. That's us. been in a group home for three years. And, and so the interviewer says, you know, things have been tough in your young life. 
how have you learned to cope? How have you dealt with it? And Robert said, well, May 14th. May 14th, I accepted Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, I couldn't have been more proud of anything else. First of all, that he said it. Second of all, that they didn't cut it out of the, the, the feature, you know. And I thought to myself, okay, Lord, this is why we're here. To heal and to tell. This is the mission you've called us to do. That you've united Methodists across our conference and folks of other faiths to help these children. Christ, Jesus called us as he sent out the disciples. I believe he said the same calling to us to go out and to heal or to help others, to hear the cry of the needy, and to tell them about Christ. So I encourage you as as individuals, as families, and as a body of Christ in the church to strive to heal and to tell. I invite you along in the ways to do that. Just use the gifts and graces God has given you. Find that fruit in the Spirit, peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think I would add forgiveness and persistence. Take the love that God has seated in you. Use the gifts he has given you to go outside the wall and heal and tell under the same commission that he, Jesus gave his disciples. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.